Yet our best trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight. If you know the song Fight the Power by Public Enemy, which was in Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee, that quote that we just heard starts off that song. Yet our best trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight. The person quoted is, I'm reading from his biography here online, activist attorney, widely known as TNT for his oratorical skills, Thomas N. Todd, was born September 24th, 1938 in Alabama. My understanding of that quote is the context was civil rights, that is, a movement to get equal rights for blacks as for whites in the United States. I don't know exactly what context he said it in, but I think that he was pointing out that there are blacks who could fight best, well-educated, who could speak to whites best and influence them most. And instead of helping other blacks, they would rather be white, that is, they would rather switch, than fight, than continue fighting for equality. I looked it up at the time there was an ad campaign that said people would rather fight than switch about something different. So people at the time, I think, would have recognized that he was making a pun on the ad campaign. But to say that they would rather switch than fight, I think it's saying that they'd choose comfort and convenience and choosing to switch sides than fight for people who are on their side. I'm going to approach this concept from three different directions. That was one, TNT, speaking about they would rather switch than fight and applying it to sustainability and stewardship. Because I've spoken to a lot of people about sustainability, and I've led many through my podcast's four-step process to share an environmental value, to think of something to do to act on it, and then to share how the result went. And I've seen many of them come from many different backgrounds, many different levels of awareness, many different levels of activity, different levels of greenness or sustainability or stewardship, if that's, I'm not sure the right way to put it, and how much they say others should act. Now, I'm going to share an observation. At first, this one is personal and casual. I'm going to get to something peer-reviewed in a second. So it's not rigorous. I'm just observing, and I'm not sure what biases might influence my observation, but it seems to me that those presenting themselves as the most green and the most aware tend to act the least. That is, they decline to do the process. If they do it, they don't come up with an activity. I shouldn't say they don't act the least. They are open least to changing, to doing something new. They may be doing something already, But what they do already is, I mean, they're Americans living in the 21st century. They're probably among the most polluting people ever to live. It's very unlikely that they're living as sustainably as they could. And I'm not talking about what they should or shouldn't do. My perspective is that having switched myself, I found that I enjoy the switch. And so they're missing out on a joy. They're certainly missing out on an ability to influence others. They often claim that they're already doing so much already. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. What more can I do? I'm already balancing everything I can perfectly. And they often talk about it moralistically. Like they don't want to act like a paragon of virtue or show others what they're supposed to do or they're already virtuous enough. I don't think that they realize that they're implying that they don't want to do it. That it's hard. That they won't like it. That you should do it, but really you don't want to. That they really want to do other things, but that they have to do this. From my perspective, I don't like the idea of getting so moral about it. I don't think that I'm moral about it. I will say things like, if you pollute, you will hurt others who are helpless and defenseless to being hurt by you. But that's not the same as saying it's good or bad or right or wrong. You're free to choose for yourself. I believe that everybody does what they think is right all the time. So if someone's doing something that they think is right and I point out that it hurts someone else, 
That's not saying it's bad. They're free to choose what's good or bad for themselves. I presume that everybody does what they consider right all the time. I'm not trying to impose my values on others, but I'm trying to help others live by their values to the extent that they're squashing their values down under what's comfortable or convenient or what other people do. My main point is that acting in stewardship turns out to be more fun, easy, rewarding, inexpensive, joyful, connecting to family and community, and so on than our mainstream society implies. Much more of fun and easy and so forth. But only experience seems to lead people to understand and live this way. All these people preaching virtue but not acting set the actual changing of behavior backward. As I see, they lead people to want not to act by their word and their deed. They're implying you don't want to do it, but you have to, or it's good to, even though you don't really want to. Actually, there's another group that I find consistently doesn't act. Not all, but as leadership writers and gurus. By contrast, consider Beth Comstock, a former guest. She was a leader. She was CMO of GE. Her leadership experience is very high. She went for avoiding plastic. I think it was for a week for her challenge for this podcast. She failed. That is to say, she wasn't able to avoid plastic in the way that she expected. Instead of trying to hide it, she shared her experience. She allowed her vulnerability to show. I learned from her. I call what she did leadership. And she was effective in sharing these things. But several leadership people, people who are gurus, who are writers. I mean, Beth wrote a book, but I think of her as a leader, not someone who just tells others how to lead. Several leadership people, people who are leadership gurus and writers, but not themselves necessarily leaders, they declined to do the exercise. That's their business. That's fine. But they told me how much they're doing already or told me that they're already doing the most that they can or they're already helping out as much as they can. Again, these are well-off Americans, very well-off, among the most polluting in all of human history, claiming that they are paragons of virtue. I have to single out Dove Barron, who is a leadership guru who did act, going on to not use his car for a year. But others, it seems to me that they're trying to protect their reputation more than act by their values. There's a lot of marketing to get to the top of these fields. That's one group that I find doesn't seem to act. People who consider themselves already really green or already great leaders, their behavior reminds me of advice that I hear given to parents, not to tell your children that they're smart because it leads them to stop doing things that might jeopardize that reputation. Instead, it's more effective to reward them for hard work or effort so that they don't try to protect a reputation. So leaders and people who claim themselves to be green, I find themselves not acting and perpetuating that it's hard, that you don't want to do it. I'll approach not acting despite thinking that you're helping from another standpoint. This is Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham jail. I'm going to read a bit from it. The backstory here is that he's in prison for nonviolent civil disobedience. He's intentionally done something to get himself arrested to show that the law leading him to be arrested, he anticipates that people think it's wrong. Here's what he says. Over the past few years, I've been gravely disappointed by the white moderate. I've almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to, quote, order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, quote, I agree with you in the goal that you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time, and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a, quote, more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. Continuing Martin Luther King here, 
I'd hoped that the white moderate would understand that law and order exist for the purpose of establishing justice, and that when they fail in this purpose, they become the dangerously structured dams that block the flow of social progress. I'd hoped that the white moderate would understand that the present tension in the South is a necessary phase of the transition from an obnoxious negative peace in which the Negro passively accepts his unjust plight to a substantive and positive peace in which all men respect the dignity and worth of human personality. Do you see the similarity? I hope it's obvious between people not acting in the area of civil rights and people not acting in the area of sustainability. I feel like Martin Luther King faced similar struggles, moderates who said that they agreed with him but actually slowed him down. It reminds me of a recent conversation I recorded for the podcast, Michael Moss, who wrote the book Salt, Sugar, Fat, talking about trying to lower screen time for his challenge. On the podcast, he took on a challenge that for a week he was going to reduce by half the amount of time he spent in front of his smartphone screen. He put something very clearly and concisely that I expect to start entering my vocabulary. When he noticed himself justifying using his phone more, he said, maybe that was the addiction talking. Maybe that was the addiction talking. We like comfort and convenience. We like doing what we're used to. What we know will give us reward when and how we expect. Changing that pattern risks losing the reward we expect, leading us to justify our urge, our cravings, to resist change. That's the addiction talking. When people say, I agree with what you're doing, Mm, I'm going to slow down a little bit. That's the addiction talking. They want to stay the way that they were, independent of what they think for themselves is right or wrong. And they just keep doing what they used to do. I think that describes the white moderate that Martin Luther King was talking about. And I think that describes most people who know that they would like to act more sustainably, but they just want to do it later. That's the addiction talking. Finally, the third approach to people who could lead people to stewardship, but in practice lead them to resist changing, comes from a peer-reviewed study I read entitled, quote, this is the title, Believing in Climate Change but Not Behaving Sustainably, Evidence from a One-Year Longitudinal Study. I'm going to quote that study, and I'll put the link to it in the text. Quoting the study, we found that climate change skeptics were generally more likely to report pro-environmental behavior than their high-belief peers, but that higher belief reliably predicted support for federal climate change policies. I want to repeat that, explaining a bit more. In this study, they had two groups, climate change skeptics and high believers. So one group was skeptical, the other were believers. And that the skeptical ones reported, now we don't know what they actually did, it's just what they reported, but they reported more pro-environmental behavior. The high belief peers didn't do things, but supported federal climate change policies. I interpret that to say that people who believe more want others to change or authority to force change, but they themselves don't change. I think this is three different approaches to the same thing. TNT, the guy in the Public Enemy song for Spike Lee's movie, he talked about how people would rather switch than fight. They'd rather stay comfortable with convenience than push for equal rights. I talked about observing people who describe themselves as green or who describe themselves as leaders. It seems to me, this is my interpretation, that they want to protect their reputation more than change their behavior or actually live consistently with how they say others should live and thereby lead them effectively rather than telling them to do one thing while they themselves do something else and deprive themselves of the joy and the discovery and the community and the connection that living by your values, especially living environmentally sustainably, leads to. Then there's Martin Luther King talking about how the white moderate says, yeah, I agree with you in principle, but not really, you know, wait a little bit. Don't make me so uncomfortable. And then here the study, a peer-reviewed study in the Journal of Environmental Psychology that shows that people who are more skeptical actually act more and people who are Believers don't act themselves, but look for authority to tell others what to do. My experience over the past several years and working with people who actually do change is that you will like the change. 
If you first examine your values and think of what you can do to act on those, a lot of people here will say what one person does doesn't matter. I hope I've addressed that many other times, but I talk about this most in my third TEDx talk. What I find matters most is not how big or small one thing that you do is, because anything divided by 7.8 billion rounds off to zero. If you do it for reasons that are meaningful to you, then you will find that you like it. If you like it, you'll do it more. And the next thing you do will probably be bigger, and you'll keep doing it and keep doing it. And what you do will get bigger and bigger and bigger. That's been my experience, and I've heard it happen many times with my guests. And then you start sharing it with others. So I'm not going to argue that little things don't add up. Maybe they do. But I will point out that big things add up, and big things that you share with others and that others share, that adds up fast. And that's what I'm about, is cultural change. But if you tell people what to do while you yourself don't do it, you simply teach them to tell others what to do while they themselves also don't do it. If you think that, oh, I should do X, but what I do here is going to be so important, it's worth not doing X. Say, not flying. It's so important that I fly. What are you saying to someone else that they shouldn't, that what they're doing is not important? What you do is important, but what they do isn't important. I think it's more effective to find out what can you do if you can't live your life the way that you want to without breaking your own principles, without hurting other people. I think you might want to examine what you're doing. In my experience, if you change what you do, yes, you won't be able to do a lot of the things that you can do now. I believe that you'll find that you'll like your life more, that you'll get more of things that you consider valuable done. You'll connect more with your family. You'll have more control over your career. It won't happen if you say, this is what we should do. This is what's right, but I'm so tired of doing everything right, being so virtuous all the time. I think if you find that you enjoy it, Start from what you like, what's valuable to you. Go through the process that I do on my podcast or that I talk about in my first TEDx talk. Ask yourself or have someone ask you what the environment means to you. Find something to do to act on what matters to you. It may be big or small, but if you like it, you'll keep doing more. And I hope that you don't end up someone like what Martin Luther King talked about, what TNT talked about, yet our best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. I hope you don't end up someone who others look at as someone who would rather switch than fight. Yet our best trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight.